Welcome to Facts Roundtable, a podcast dedicated to navigating life with food allergies across the lifespan. Presented in a welcoming format with interviews and open discussions, each episode will explore a specific topic, leaving you with the facts to know or use. Information presented via this podcast is educational and not intended to provide individual medical advice. Please consult with your personal board-certified allergist or healthcare providers for advice specific to your situation. Hi, everyone. I'm Caroline Mawasasi, and I am your host for the Fact Roundtable podcast. I am a food allergy parent, advocate, and the founder of the Grateful Foodie blog, and I am Fact's Vice President of Community Relations. Before we start today's very interesting conversation, I just want to pause for just a moment to say thank you to DBV Technologies for being a very kind sponsor of FACTS Roundtable podcast. Please note that today's guest was not sponsored by DBV or compensated in any way by the sponsor to participate in this specific podcast. College life and food allergies go together, but what do you do if you want to join a sorority or a fraternity? We'll explore how one college student, Isabel, navigates safe eating and how she works with and educates her sorority and supporting students with food allergies on campus and at the sorority house. Welcome, Isabel, to Facts Roundtable podcast. We're absolutely thrilled and delighted to have you on the show today, bringing a new voice and a new perspective. And I'm very excited about today's conversation. Hi, I'm very glad to be here. So let's get to know you better. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself, your food allergies, and where you are in your college life? So I'm currently 19 years old. I'm a sophomore studying undergrad in the East Coast, and I have been battling food allergies from the age of two. I was diagnosed with anaphylactic allergies to peanuts, tree nuts, and sesame, And I was lucky enough to outgrow my peanut and tree nut allergies when I was in elementary school. But sesame has really prevailed throughout my life. I really take every precaution to stay safe. But unfortunately, things do happen. So navigating college is definitely a journey, but one that I feel I've been able to do successfully so far. Just want to add that I keep a gluten-free diet. I'm gluten intolerant. Navigating college has also been a little bit more difficult with that added challenge. I can also speak to what it's like living gluten-free and being in that world too. Well, thank you for sharing and helping us get to know you a little bit. Now we're going to discuss eating on campus and how you strategize every single day. I know, you know, all the campuses are very different. So are there specific outlets that like you eat at specifically? And then just how do you stay safe on campus just day to day? For example, do you text the dining services beforehand to tell them you're coming in and you're interested in eating a certain item? Or do you just go to a certain outlet and there's protocol there? I have two kids in college and both colleges handle it very differently. So if you don't mind speaking to that, it would be fabulous. Yes, of course. So one thing that's interesting about my school is that a large population is involved in Greek life. And while some schools have Greek life houses that do meals for the people that live in the house, pretty much every house here has a meal plan for the entire chapter. While we do have a couple of dining halls, they're like fairly empty for most of the week. And it's just not the most prominent location. And 
when I came to school as a freshman in the fall, we rushed to sorority rush right before the classes even began. So I was on the school meal plan for about a week and then had to switch over to the sorority one. Obviously, coming to school, I had no idea what I would end up in. I couldn't contact anyone. It was kind of up in the air. But my mom and I formed sort of a relationship with the dining hall that was closest by. So I always had like that kind of backup option. And I remember on bid day, which is the first day of the sorority, everybody comes in, whatever. They had this whole meal, like a dinner. And I see lying out tons of sandwiches covered in sesame and nothing I could eat in sight besides like Starburst in a little jar. And it was just a little awkward because I didn't know anybody at the time coming in and I didn't want to cause any problems. But you know, I hadn't eaten all day. I was hungry. So I said to them, you know, is there anything I could eat? I have these food allergies. And the person I was with didn't completely understand. And so she called over the chapter advisor and the president. And like, I had a whole conversation with them. So they kind of knew who I was from day one, which is really good. And then from there on out, there's a chef who kind of cooks all the meals. The sorority I'm in uses a company. You know, they were okay about the allergies. There was one head chef who was you know, she meant well. She was a little bit aggressive at times. Like I would ask her about something and she would give me an answer. But I I just don't think that she understood the extent of food allergies and how severe mine were. Um, And she was kind of focused on other things at the time. But most of the meals I was able to eat, I always had to get something special from the kitchen just because not everything was gluten-free. I might have been the only person in the chapter with a sesame allergy. And I don't think that she was necessarily paying so much attention to the one person. But I do feel like I was able to eat there every day. There were only a few meals the whole semester that had sesame in it. And those days I would just kind of stick to the salad bar or like stay away and just double check everything with the chef. But coming into the sorority, I remember I was nervous and unaware of what things would be like. And they ended up fine the whole year. Outside of the sorority, we only have the meal plan on the weekdays. So on the weekends, you're there to fend for yourself. And the dorm I lived in last year didn't really have a kitchen or any sort of ways to cook. And I had a microwave and a mini fridge. And that was my whole kitchen. So I bought a lot of frozen meals from Trader Joe's and would have that sometimes. And there were a few places that you know, I found to be safe. For example, Chipotle, they don't use any sesame in their products. So I would go there a lot. There were a couple of other places around. But at the same time, you know, my friends would say, let's go to dinner at a sushi place or at an Asian place. And a lot of times, you know, there are these big chains and the people there aren't completely knowledgeable. And I would just go there and I would get something to drink or I would get like a a soda or something like that, just so I didn't feel like I was all alone. But those were hard because then I would have to come back and kind of make something for myself. And my whole day is kind of dictated around what can I eat? What kind of food can I get? So I think that this year has been very different in a good way because they actually switched over to a new meal company. I live in the sorority house. Everything I do is really here. They have breakfast, lunch, and dinner for the girls who live in the house. From the day one, when my mom moved me in, we had a whole sit-down conversation with the chef, with the company, with everyone just explaining about the severity of my allergies, what sorts of things that I need, what sorts of things that I like. They really took it into so much account that they made the entire kitchen sesame-free and also nut-free for those who needed it. And so I feel really safe eating things. And there are foods that I've tried that I never had before. For example, they make sesame-free hummus certain days. Seeing a plate with hummus on it to me is like so scary, but I actually am able to have it and they make it fresh. They just like really took everything with such responsibility. And I feel a lot more comfortable being in the house. And also that 
people are eating something with sesame, then coming upstairs, touching everything, touching the doors, the bathroom stalls, and people will still eat things that I can't eat, you know, if they're getting food from an outside vendor or they're going somewhere. But I think that this makes me feel a lot safer and I'm a lot less stressed about finding food options. And another thing that the sorority has is like this option to do a late plate. So if you miss a meal, they kind of put stuff in a box for you and put it in the fridge and you can pick it up at another time. So sometimes when maybe I'd have a club meeting during a meal, I would request a late plate and then eat that on the weekend if too many days hadn't passed in between. But overall, I think that this year has been a lot easier for me, which is great. So I think that just like establishing a good relationship with either the dining hall at the school you're at or with a sorority or wherever you have the most meals at is like the best way to kind of navigate that as a college student. Wow. First, congratulations. That is amazing that you had such a buy-in. And so on that note, like, what do you think made it successful? Was it because, you know, you were there talking directly, trying to develop an interpersonal relationship, because that's kind of the vibe I'm picking up for you? Do you think it was helpful because your mom was present, but it sounds like you were leading a, a lot of the discussions? Like, what do you think might be some of the magic or a tip you can maybe give somebody else on developing that relationship? Because it sounds like that's really part of the powerful part of what just happened is you sat down and it sounds like you really educated them. So if you can talk a little bit about that. You know, my whole life, my mom has always been my biggest advocate, but being in college, you know, you have to do a lot of things on your own. And towards the end of high school, I started doing things where I kind of had to ask the restaurant myself, double check with everything myself, and you're kind of on your own. And I do think that the interpersonal relationship that you form with the people, especially at the top of this food chain kind of thing in a meal plan is like the most important because the person in charge of this whole food company comes sometimes to the house. We met him on the first day when we had this food meeting and he knows me by name. He always says hello. I always say hi back, ask him how everything is and just kind of be like extra respectful and really show him how much I appreciate his efforts because keeping people safe while people might want to do it in an idea, it's hard to do and to do successfully for a whole year. And so I think that he's the one who's really implementing this is really important. We have to make sure that these food items don't go into the meals and that these specific people are kept safe and just having like a positive relationship with people who are cooking your food is honestly the best way to navigate something like that. I couldn't agree more. My son attended Pitzer College, and he had developed a really deep interpersonal relationship with the head of the dining service and the head of the company, you know, who ran that service and the management staff. I mean, so much so they were trying to get him dates. They were trying to introduce him to girls with food allergies, which I thought was really cute. And when he graduated, they actually came to watch. But he had developed such a good relationship of respect, which sounds like you've done, too, where he's really respecting their work and them trying to keep them safe, you know, and vice versa. And I just think that's really important for your peer group to hear that those relationships are just huge and so important. Yeah, definitely. So now, just because I don't know a sorority life, I actually went to a commuter school myself back in the day. Do you have like access to a microwave? Like if you wanted to reheat that food, do you have to do it in the oven? Is there a microwave? Or if you just wanted to cook something like scrambled eggs, can you do that in the sorority? Or is the kitchen more off limits just for the professional staff? The kitchen is really just for the chefs. But in my individual room, I have a mini fridge and I have my own microwave. 
and they have a shared microwave and toaster downstairs for the girls who live in the house, but the cross-contamination in there just would never work for me. I just keep my own microwave in here, and you're not technically supposed to have a toaster or some of the other items, which is kind of annoying because, you know, then I can't really toast things, but I get that it's a fire hazard. And I tried emailing like the person in charge of the housing a while ago, and she never really got back to me. But either way, I still don't think that there's like a ton of things that I would need to toast. And the microwave, honestly, like while it's not the healthiest alternative, it does the job. I think it's really good that I kind of have like my own appliance and my own mini fridge. And my I have a roommate who also has her own fridge. And I kind of told her from day one that I wanted to keep our stuff separate just in case she wanted to get something that I couldn't eat. And it accidentally got cross-contaminated or whatever. And so we just have two of them in our room, two different mini fridges side by side. Honestly, I feel like that's that gives me the most peace of mind. And that's a great suggestion for anyone listening who's looking at a sorority or fraternity to look into having their own microwave and, and working with the roommate, because it sounds like you also worked with your roommate. Did you know them ahead of time? Was it easy to have that food allergy conversation? Yes. So my roommate from this year is someone I was friends with last year, like when we had joined the sorority. Yeah, it was just pretty easy because she knew me. She knew my allergies. And while sometimes it's a little awkward to go up to the kitchen and ask them to make your meal or get the separate gluten-free, sesame-free item, every I think every single person in the chapter at this point knows that I have food restrictions. And like it's an informal way of me letting everybody know that. Like I don't have to bring it up in a conversation every time. I think that in a way that's been a little bit beneficial because people are more aware. That's really great. So now for busy days when you're running around, do you carry snacks with you or do you run back to the to the house? And so if you maybe can share just a couple of ideas or just how you handle like the super busy days when you got to fly out and you're gone for eight hours or nine hours and you're studying and doing events and any tips on carrying food with you? Yes. I personally am like the type of person who likes to eat big meals and then kind of let it last for a while. Always in my bag, I carry around granola bars and chips and other kind of small snacks to keep me going. I think one specific example of days where I don't really have food options are days when we have football games. Side of the stadium itself, there are tailgates that happen before and people are running around all day and it's a very fun experience. But you know, the only food items that you find all day are like chicken nuggets with no labels on them, just sitting out. People are sticking their hands in it. And even once you get to the stadium, there are like three options. There's pretzels, there's chicken again. And um, I've never once seen any stands that are gluten-free or specific like that. So I'm not home for like seven, eight hours. And it's hard to be away from food for that long. So every game I bring like a little bag with me, like something that's colored similar to the theme. I always pack like a couple of granola bars and snacks and other things like that. So that way, you know, if I feel hungry, I always have that kind of security blanket. Sometimes, you know, I do find like a bag of chips sitting out somewhere, like something that's closed, not opened, you know, in the event that I don't, it's an unenjoyable day if you can't eat anything and you're just thinking about how hungry you are the whole time. So I think that just like carrying around something at all times, making sure you have like a backup either in your backpack and a little bag you bring around. It's just like the best way to do it. And people always have bags. Like when I was in high school, middle school, like I don't know why, but I felt really weird about carrying a bag sometimes. Like it's it wasn't really like a popular thing. And it was like, it kind of made everyone know, oh, she has to carry around her EpiPen. She has to carry around something like that. And not that I was ever embarrassed of my food allergies. Like when you're a teenager, you don't want to feel different. You don't want to stand out. 
But honestly, like there are so many like cute bags that I see people bringing around campus, whether whether or not they have food allergies or any sort of other things. People need to bring around their keys, their phone, their wallet, like all sorts of different things. And especially like how much walking you do around campus. I feel like it's very easy to transport different items. So that's been really beneficial. But like I don't go anywhere without a bag. And last year I would bring around this like little white bag with me everywhere I went and people would know me as like the person with the white bag and it kind of just got to be like my signature item like I appreciated something like that like it was something funny out of like a something I had to do I love that to death I mean it's such a great problem solver and it's really fun where you're using different colors and themes you're saying sometimes you use bags right to what you're doing and now it's your signature white bag I love it that's so fun oh my god yeah you're you're so great these are great suggestions believe it or not we're actually at the end of our time already so before we go I know right it went so fast so is there anything you would like to tell our listeners and your fellow peers before we end Yeah, I think that college can seem really intimidating, especially if you're going somewhere far from home like I did. There are always people out there. There are always helpers. There are people in the same boat as you. Might take a little bit of time to find, but there's always a good option. Even if you have to eat the same meal some of the week, find new ways of adjusting. It's really not as hard as people might think it is if you just put a little time and effort into finding good solutions and ones that make you feel safe. And I think that finding your path, finding what works for you, especially like from the start is kind of the best way to let you navigate your next four years. Well, thank you for sharing such great positivity. You're just so upbeat and can do. I just love it and appreciate it so much. Thank you for finding the time to spend with us today. College students are so busy. So we really appreciate you. And then I really look forward to having you back on the podcast again. So thank you. Thank you. It was great to be here. Before we say goodbye today, I just want to thank DBV Technologies one more time for being a very kind sponsor of FACT's Roundtable podcast. Please note that today's guest was not sponsored by DBV Technologies or compensated in any way by the sponsor to participate in this specific podcast. Thank you for listening to FACT's Roundtable podcast. Stay tuned for future episodes coming soon. Please subscribe, leave a review, and listen to our podcast on Pandora, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and Stitcher. Have a great day and always be kind to one another.